Well, we're at a very, very exciting part of the Sefer. Again, the uh, the Shir is Zchus Ilun Nishmas Mordechai Ben Daniel, Shamashav Aliyah. And we are at the very end of the Sefer. It's an incredible Sefer. Um, we didn't do the first, as we know, uh, basically the, the common uh, common minigan class was not to do Shari Yichud, a very esoteric, intellectually, you know, high flutin' type of um, gate. But we did from the second gate on, and we're now Baruch Hashem, uh, we're at the 10th gate. And that's a Shar Avas Hashem. Okay, let me just gotta keep remembering to look up every few seconds, make sure I don't leave anybody out there too long. Okay, there's Hashem. Okay, we have a nice group. Okay, so we are, if you're again, you're following inside, we are doing, we read the Sefer, the Chalas with the Leif Tov. It's a particular type of Chalas Avavas. There are very, there are a number of them in print now. So um, this is just one of them. We read the bottom and we are up to my Sefer, it's page Shin Yud Zayin, but it's pretty easy to find because it's the last Shar and the second Chalak of the Chalas Avavas. So we're in Chalik Bays. We're in the tenth gate. Um, this is the sort of the ultimate chapter, as he will explain momentarily. So uh, Bez Hashem is an exciting time. So Amram Machaber says the Machaber at the beginning of this gate, the gate of love of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And I, you know, it's going to be eye-opening because you know there are a lot of people who talk about loving Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I love Hashem. I love Hashem. He's so great and. A little bit we'll see, not to minimize that type of language, it's beautiful language. The person say, you know, uh, I love a Kaddish Baruch Hu. But what that really means and how it's understood in this, in where we're at, in this type of a, of a context of a true Avas Hashem and how difficult it is to attain and what it really means, it's, it's eye-opening in uh, Bez Hashem. This is not a formula of something that we can jump to tomorrow morning. Um, at least not me, maybe some of you can, but uh, uh, us mere mortals, you know, we can hope to work towards it. And again, I think the benefit, even though one can argue this is for, you know, rarefied people, you know, one in a million in a generation, at the same time, the fact that we can see how he describes the ultimate thought process and the connectedness of a of an oi vashem, what that means, it's something for us to at least... Uh, vision, visualize, and, and have a sort of a concept of what, what it really means, and hopefully it'll inspire us to become better, better Jews. So Amram Mechaber. Mechaber says as follows. Since we explained, and certainly was extremely powerful, the various chapters of precious, the idea of, of abstinence, of separation, of removing oneself from the temptations and the, and the physicalities of this world. Once we've explained what that's all about in the last gate, and our real goal, even though he didn't really say it very clearly, he mentioned a lot of other benefits, but the real goal of all that, he says, the real goal of Prishus is to remove from our hearts the love of this world, of the physicality of Olam Hazet. The idea of what all of the benefits physically that we get from this world to remove it from our hearts, to not uh, idolize it, to not uh, 
uh, elevated and, and promoted and uh, to somehow give it such a prominence. Today, for the purpose, for the purpose of us, let me just put this on. I learned how to do this just recently. I'm going to put those uh, things on mute. Okay, for the purpose of really allowing our hearts to open up to what true love is about. This is all about loving only HaKadosh Baruch To only do His bidding, for us to be longing to do what HaKadosh Baruch wants. If we're into this world and we're longing for, you know, the, the new home and the new car and the, and the, the fancy this and whatever else, you know, uh, that, that excites us from a physical point of view, to that extent, we're not connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That means we're not fully in love with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We don't want just a connection with Him. Therefore, I found it proper to explain once we've got to precious, once we fully in, uh, delve into the idea, the concept of separating from the physical elements of this world and to understand what my relationship and approach needs to be with this world. So, as um, to explain after that, the way to come to loving HaKadosh Baruch because one really follows from the other. When we've debunked the importance of, uh, of the physical world and all of the opulence that is, that's out there, and we are, we're no longer focusing on that, that allows now our hearts to be turned to what's truly important. This is the, the character trait, the attribute of the highest level. Of all levels that a person can reach, if we can reach this level, of being an Oiv Hashem, that's the highest. That's the ultimate. There's nothing after that. So it's something it's really very, we're you know learning something very, very special and very rarefied because he's going to bring us into a world that again, I'm not saying we're here when we have to be honest whether we're here or not, because you know, one cannot jump levels just to attain something that seems very appealing, but we're not really there to to uh, to build upon it properly. It's very dangerous. But at least, again, to, to at least understand what is the highest level a human being can reach in this world. This is what I'd like to do. I'd like to say in introduction, before we get to the actual nitty-gritty of Avas Hashem, let me say this as an introduction. It is upon all of you to understand, my dear brothers and sisters, to understand and to know, all of the obligations that have been placed upon the heart. After all, this is a sefer called Chovos Halvavos. So these are the duties of the heart. These are emotional feelings, the bitachon, and the and the uh, the hachna, and the prishus, and the tshuva. So much of this is emotional. It's internal. It's inside of us. Certainly there are actions that obviously are connected as well. But so much of the duties of the heart, and all of the good attributes that exist in the world that we have to imbibe, and all of the other aspects of, of the soul getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's all a ladder to get up to where we are right now. 
not where we really are right now, but where we are holding right now in this safer. That which you're about to explain in this gate is the penultimate of what all this is about. It all led up to this moment in time. All of the the Shar uh, Bechina and the Avoras and the Tshuva and the Bitochon and all and the Achna and the Cheshbar Nefesh, all the things that we did till now, Baruch Hashem, has led up to this particular point. And that is and so it is upon you to know. Not only the elements of this particular sefer, because after all, this is just one sefer. But there are many others for him. There's Archa Sadiqim, there's Nasir Sisharim, there's Shari Tshuva, and so many others uh, uh, later that, that have come up. Many Svarim talk about different angles of getting closer to Kodesh Baruch. But, but whatever you're going to learn, it's not just what's in the Sefer. All of the obligations that, that devolve upon an individual. And all of the positive character traits that a person is supposed to develop. Whether it's things that are logical, that logic dictates that we should do them. Or those that the written law dictate, or that the oral law commands us, all of the mitzvos, all of the anhagos, and all of the midos, they're all attributes and character traits that lead to this point. So everything all ends up right here. That's where it all ends up. This is where, this is where the ultimate spiritual repository is. It is the pinnacle. It is the peak. It is the, whatever, whatever word you want to use, um, this is where it's all at as far as where, what a person can reach. And I guess when a person actually reaches this point, maybe the question could be asked, what now? You know, so I'm here. I'm, I'm at the top of the mountain. I guess that's something that we'll have to deal with uh, at a different time because right now we got enough work to get here. So I don't think we have to worry about that question per se. Um, but I guess from that point on, there's other elements of, you know, Ruach HaKodesh, and even within, within Avas Hashem, there are probably different levels, but okay, that's, that's a discussion for a different time. There's no other level that is higher than this, or that comes after this. So this is why the Sefer ends with Avas Hashem, because Avas Hashem is the end of spiritual development. And it's for this reason I wrote the Moshe Benu immediately after talking about the mitzvah of Yichad Hashem, of declaring the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the unique, uh, the unified power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right after that commandment comes what? Hashem, the commandment of loving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But Umro, as we say every single day, twice a day, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, the ultimate statement of Kabbalos Olmachu Shemayim Hashem is one. He controls the world. He is the one that always was, is, and always will be here, and nothing else besides him. Okay, Echad. Right after we say that, what's the next sentence? What's the next word? after Hashem Love Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Love your God. And that's why we have many different uh, 
elements of psukim that encourage us towards loving Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The Chazal Pam Rabbis, the Mishnah Torah, and it goes over a number of times, many times in, in the parshas in Sefer Devarim. Kavoshinemar Lavas Hashem Lekecha. It says in Devarim to love Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the Shmo Bekolo, to listen to His voice, to dafka boy, to cling to Him. These are very, very lofty levels that are, we are constantly being reminded of in the Torah. What does that mean, Dveikus Bashem? Right? It makes for beautiful music. We know all about Dveikus, um, you know, the Dveikus albums, but that's real nice. But what does Dveikus mean in terms of our own conduct in life? Is really, it's, it's a form of Avas Hashem. Dveikus means that the love that we have should be real, trustworthy, and with a totality of heart. There are those who you can love that are closer to and more dovic to than a brother. So it's a form of love. It's, it's the sort of the ultimate type of love. Dveikus is a clinging to a, to, to a being or to a power, to a force that is so all, in, all um, encompassing that it's, it's, it's basically it's a type of love, but it's, it's on its highest levels. Dveikus, it's uh, literally longing and clinging to HaKadosh Baruch and now just another very important point. Since we do find throughout the Torah that when we talk about Avas Hashem, invariably you will find before Avas Hashem, Yiras Hashem. Now again, what does Yiras Hashem mean? We'll, we'll see. Um, let's, let's read a little further because uh, people mistakenly think Yiras Hashem is just trembling that uh, I better not do a sin because I'm going to get punished. And Yiras Hashem is sort of seen as a very basic kind of emotion of being concerned for burning in Gehenna. I don't want to burn in Gehenna. I don't want to get punished in the next world. So I have fear of Hashem uh, concerning retribution. That's not what Yeres Hashem means. That's much more, um, I mean, even, even it's Yeres Onesh. It wouldn't be confined, defined even as Yeres Achet. It would be called Yeres Onesh. That's fear of, of punishment. Yeres Hashem is a whole other level. Let's keep going a little bit further. Commotion Emma. So um, he's going to give some examples of how you see that the, there's a linkage between Yerushalayim and Avas Hashem. And, and what is that? Let's see how that works. Commotion Emma, as the Pasik says in Devarim. But I'll tell you so, a very famous Pasik. What does a Baruch Hu ask of you? But to fear a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Maybe being in awe of a Kodesh Baruch Hu is really a better definition. I use the word fear, but. It's really not the appropriate word to have a sense of awe of a Baruch Hu, to go in all his ways, to love him. So here you see, right after Yira comes Ava. Because you should uh, again have an awe, a sense of Yira of a Baruch Hu. You should serve him and cling to him. And logic really dictates that before you can come to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you have to have an understanding of wh- who and what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. And Yira is exactly that. Yira is being awestruck by being in the presence and feeling the, the being surrounded and, and feeling that, uh, being, that, that aspect of being surrounded by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So when you're in a Baruch Hu's presence and you feel you're in a Baruch Hu's presence, you tremble 
and you have this sense of, of just an elevated state. I mean, just but, but to sort of bring it down to our level, you, know, you, you picture yourself in the room with the holiest man of the generation. Okay, a lot of people would say, uh, let's, let's give that title to Chaim Panievsky. It's hard to say for sure, but certainly he's up there as being recognized as, as a Gadol Hadar. And you're in Reb Chaim Panievsky's presence. Thinking, speaking Lashar is not going to be the first thing on your mind, right? If, you, if you, Reb Chaim looks up at you and you say, hey, you want, you want to hear some juicy gossip? That's not going to happen. You're not going to say it because you're in the presence of a person of such high esteem how in the world can I speak Lashar? You're not going to be thinking about other Averas because it's just not going to come to your mind. How can I? And even if you're about to do an Avera and he, let's say, would walk into the room and you see Reb Chaim, and you see right away, you tremble, you, say, you right away stop what you're about to do. Imagine, you're about to put your hand in the push, you know, I'll take out a few bucks and the Gadol Adora walks in right away. You know, you got, So that means on that level, you have a sense of awe of this person, can you imagine? Try to multiply that out and try to extrapolate that to being in the presence of a Kodesh Baruch Hu and how that should make us feel. So it, it, it comes from an understanding and an awareness that he's here. He's here and he's watching me. So that certainly seems that it would, it would be a prerequisite uh, to having that emotion before what one can have Avas Hashem. So let's, let's read that one more time. So it makes sense also that this Yiras Hashem should come before Avas Hashem. Yira is really the, the end of Precious. A person has Yiras Shemayim, a person recognizes what's really important in this world. A person understands that it's not person understands that it's uh, this world and the physicalities and enjoying life and having fun and frivolity, that's important. If you have your Shemaim, you understand what's important, what's not important. And what's important in the mitzvahs, what's important is serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What's important is doing the right thing. So really, Precious comes, at the very end of Precious comes Yira. But Madrega HaKreva B'Yosu Madrega Sa'avasulakim. And it is the level closest to the level of loving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And really, it is the first gate, just in terms of the real you know, process and development of our emotions and our thoughts. When a person has Yerushalayim to the full degree, then Precious is fully, fully kicked in. And one is now moving into the level of Avas Hashem. Because we're getting to see the world for exactly the way it is. All of these emotions come when we have total clarity of what this world is about. And these are things that only come when we're, we're not confused, we're not in, in, in discombobulated, our midos are in sync, we're calm, we are clear, we're not running after, after false idols, we're just solid. And with the clarity, first comes the clarity of Yerushalayim, and then comes the clarity of Avas Hashem. And a person cannot reach the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You have to have a sense of, of trembling and awe. You have to sort of feel that you're in the presence of this greatest force in this world. If you don't feel that way, you can't ever come to love that power if you don't feel the awesomeness of that power. 
I therefore make sure that the gate of precious came right before the gate of Avaz Hashem. Because it is basically impossible to find love of God in our hearts. As long as we are loving this world, and we really love our new Maserati, I'm not putting down Maseratis or Lamborghinis or anything else, um, but I am saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it, I'm, the Chobos is saying it. If you love other things, okay, you can't really love HaKadosh Baruch um, it, It's the, by definition, it's a totality of love that is Avas Hashem. If that love is split between different things, then that's not absolute love. And that's really what we're going to be striving for here. Okay, he says, When our hearts are finally removed from being enamored with this world, where it doesn't matter to us exactly what's going on. Again, I mean, these are things that when you read the lives of, the, of these gedolim, you read about Rabbi Levine, you read, read about, uh, about Rabbi Yoshev, you read about um, you know, Rabbi Moshin, Rabbi Yaakov, these people just stay with they, Rabbi Aaron Cutler, all of these people, all these gedolim that are not from you know, many generations ago. They're, these are people that we know. They lived in our lifetimes. They too. And certainly, you know, the Rebetzin and the Libadol Chaim, Rabbi Chaim, the way they live, they, there is no physicality relevant in their lives. You know, they, they need a place to sleep. They need a place where they can, you know, have have their, their meal and whatever and, and move on and then go back to Tyre, go back to Havaras Hashem, go back to mitzvahs. And all of this other stuff is a, is sort of a hechatims, as they say. It's a, it's, a, it's a means to get to the goal. So, yeah, I need to I need to eat. I need to have a place to live, absolutely. But the elaborate type of focus of, of this type of situation where it's the materialistic aspect of, you know, going above and beyond, that, that's where there's a problem. Um, it comes from emptying your heart from the love of this world, and completely removed from passions of, and desires and lusts. We talk hakara ubina, that comes through recognition and understanding. Only then could love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu be found in our hearts. And and uh, pegged and sort of sunk and driven into our souls. Commensurate to the chuka, to the connection, to the desire that we have for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to that extent the love can develop. And also commensurate to our understanding of his greatness. Because if you don't, if you know, if, if, if you think, you know, Chas Yisholm, you have a picture of the, the Wizard of Oz behind some curtain, and that's, you know, you have some other who knows what vision of some cartoon in your head, and you think that's God, that's, that's not going to work. You have to have a true appreciation of the fact that we can't have a true appreciation. But to the extent that we can, can fathom it and just picture the creator who built and made this incredible universe um, and the wisdom that went into it, and you start thinking about it, you start actually trembling that this being, this power cares about me. And this power has, has uh, given me life and has, is involved in my life. As the Torah says, Even those who, who go in the path of your judgments, we await you. 
the Shimcho Zichor Tavis Nafesh, to your name and to your uh, remembrance, our soul is longing for. So even when you go into his, his Mishpatim, and even though you go into his judgments, and sometimes they could be serious, but when a person is connected to Kaddish Baruch Hu, it still develops that Tavis HaNefesh, that where the person's soul is longing to connect with a Kaddish Baruch Hu's soul. So this is sort of the introduction. And now he's going to break down what the gates, the gate of Avas Hashem looks like. And he's going to break it down into seven parts. Valenu Lavari says, There are seven elements of, that I'd like to explain when it comes to Avas Hashem. Just what is it? Defining it. How many ways is there to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Can you love a Kodesh Baruch Hu more than one way? Are there different manifestations of that love? Ketzad Magim Lidei Avas Hashem. How does one reach it? In Bichos Adam Lagiela Olo. Can the human be there? Is that something that's beyond us, or can we actually achieve that? Ezed Varma Abdim Also. What type of of elements of life destroy Avas Hashem and take us away from Avas Hashem? Number six, are the ways of telling about a person, oh, that's an, that's an over Hashem. I can see on this person, he loves a Kodesh Baruch. Is there a way of doing that? Or is it something that's purely not discernible? And finally, the seventh one is, how does an over Hashem conduct himself? What are the, the manifestations of conduct that reflect in over Hashem in, in, the, in the various ways that they might present themselves. Okay, so with this, we officially start Perak Aleful. That was an introduction. And now ready to, to sink in. And again, I've mentioned many times, I know you're all on mute, and, um, but if you, feel, if you feel you want to ask a question, please, you know, we welcome questions, we welcome comments, and uh, feel free to, you can wait till the end if you want. Uh, you can also text it if you want on the chat, but if you want to... Um, Unmute yourself and ask a question. We would welcome that. Okay. So ready for Perak Aleph now. Uh, again, if you're following inside, it's um, the, the, the very last gate in the um, second, if, you, if you're following in the Leif Tov, it's the second Chalik, second part, second book of the Chos Chos, two-volume set. Okay. Let's, let's dig into Perak Aleph. Ala she'ela ma'u apir shal on the very fundamental issue of what is love of God, hitting no sense of tshuva but let me give you the following answer. The true explanation, what it means to love a Kodesh Baruch Hu, is kolois ha-nefesh is the longing of the soul for God. And one moving oneself Constantly in that direction. For the goal, and this is going to sound a little also esoteric and high flutin, but just stay with us here. Um, so that, that that person would want to cling to this great light, this sublime light of God. The higher elevated or, okay, which is like a spiritual light. And what causes these emotions, this longing for connection, 
they're striving for a higher sense of reality and understanding. What causes these emotions to develop within a person is as follows. Who's that? Is, is what I'm about to explain. And there's very, he goes now to, through a very fascinating fundamental understanding of how we operate, how this world operates in terms of each individual. Very fundamental and fascinating uh, uh, ideas that he's going to share with us. He says, um, and he starts as follows. The soul of a person is a, is a spiritual entity. We know that. We say it every morning, we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the soul that he's given us. It's, it's a spiritual element. We all feel it. That, that's what essentially makes us different than the animals. They don't have a soul. They don't know how to daven. They don't have a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They don't understand Torah. So we were given this, this incredible element called the nefesh. It's not made from any of the four foundational elements of the world, which were, which are Aish, Rachmaim, and Afar. Okay, fire, wind, water, and earth. So the nefesh has none of that. None of the physical element, elements of the world is connected to the soul. So the soul naturally, in terms of its its longing and what it's about, it's a spiritual entity and it wants spiritual connection. The soul is really not that interested in physical elements at all. Well, let's see. And naturally, it would be very much repulsed by physical things that are completely not part of its nature. It is a spiritual being and as such wants spiritual connection. However, things are not as simple as they appear. Because when HaKadosh Baruch Hu, however, put the spiritual element called the neshama, the nefesh, into the body, and on a technical level, there might be differences. He calls it a nefesh. We're not going to get to the differences between different elements of the soul. We're just going to, the nefesh is, will be the generic terminology for, you know, for the nefesh, for the soul or the, or the spiritual being that we, that we are. We're not going to get into any of those elements with this. Um, but for our purpose, he calls it the nefesh. When God connects this spiritual soul into a physical body, so why did God do that? Why did he make this whole connection between the physical and the spiritual? In order, as we know, from the Mesil Shisharim, he's going to now say it here in the Chavos of us as well. It's to test that soul and to test that, that um, connectedness between the body and soul. Are you, gonna, are you going to rule your body, soul, the way God wants you to rule it? Or are you going to let your body take you over? And are you going to become a subject to it? How is this battle going to work out? Are you, is the soul going to win or is the body going to win? So he, by definition, in order to sort of facilitate that battle, he couldn't create situations where we would implode, where the soul and the body just can't get together. So we're just going to explode and we just can't function. Obviously, there's no point in that. So Akash Baruch Hu needed to create certain elements of the neshama 
that would tolerate and even facilitate the well-being of the guf. Because after all, we do need the guf. We can't be without the guf. Once we're here in this world, we can't go without it. And we have to fulfill our, our mandate and our purpose here. So we're going to have to figure out a way of balancing the guf with the neshama. And in order to do that, there needs to be some predisposition on the part of the neshama to take care of the guf. Okay, so he says one more time, who knows, but who knows how he puts certain inclinations and characteristics into the neshama, that would inspire a desire to be concerned for the physical body, and to give the body what it needs. And the reason why there is that natural inclination, the minute we opened up and became beings, we needed to have this merger between the physical and the spiritual. And we needed to make sure that our physical needs were taken care of and therefore the soul needed to sort of be part of that. So in reality, he said the nefesh is a little bit torn. On the one hand, it wants pure spirituality. On the other hand, it also wants the physicality of what the body needs to sustain itself. So it's not a complete... uh, Antithetical type of relationship can't be, wouldn't work. And therefore, when the nefesh recognizes that there are things that are good for the body, so the thoughts and the power of the shamalin towards that, and there's a desire for it. So that there should be peace from the pains of the of whatever the body's going through. And from anything that would influence it and, and, and uh, negatively affect it. So there's, a, there's an idea of self-preservation. And the Shama certainly would, would go along with the body doing things that it needs to do to make sure it stays healthy. Or if it's sick, that if it's sick, that it gets better. These are all things that have to happen. So in doing so, there is a natural natia or natural recognition that the soul has for the need of physical maintenance and physical well-being. Uh, just like somebody who's sick needs a good doctor. So the, the soul recognizes the need for physical uh, pampering to some degree. Maybe pampering is too strong of a word, but just basically nurturing. And to be taken care of. And it sets up a sort of a helper in its domain. Okay, it basically sets up a system where I am now concerned for this body. I want to make sure that this body is taken care of. And its needs are met. It should be healed. It should be healthy. It should be able to um, perform well. So, and at the same time, when the when the soul recognizes something that's going to add true light and spirituality to itself, which is very different than the physical well-being that we've been talking about, if there's something that you're now being exposed to that represents pure 
ruchnius and you know pure connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Machshavtenote love would make a boy. The feelings, the thoughts, however you want to describe the uh, connection of the soul to its source, well, certainly it's going to be very strong. And the soul will be longing for those things as well, because that's really its natural habitat, so to speak. It's connecting to spiritual elements. And the thoughts of the Neshama are now going to move in the direction of, I, I want to connect to that. And it desires it. And again, it's, it's longing for it. And this longing is exactly where the highest levels of loving HaKadosh Baruch Hu come into play. This is where, this is what the soul feels in wanting to connect to Hashem. So we are in this world and really we are in a very tough situation. That's really what a lot of, a lot of people struggle throughout Olamazeh is this constant tug of war between the battle for spirituality and the battle for physicality. And while there is a certain, certainly a need to take care of one's a goof, the real problem comes when the, the need to take care of the goof seem to now take dominance and prominence over the needs for the soul. And, but it's not, you, can ignore, you can't ignore it completely because then you're obviously not doing what a Kodesh Baruch wants either. So you've got this battle going on. And the way and, and the reconciliation, the, the the proper way of reaching clarity is when you're ready for the ultimate. So let's let's see how we sort of explain uh, how we balances out this internal battle. But since at the same time the soul is concerned for the physical needs, Vadrisha shall and the, the and the needs and the yearnings of the body are many. And it's constantly needing and looking for things that literally at every moment of the day it wants to fill up its what it's lacking. So I need this, I need that, I have to buy this, I have to buy that. All these things that are going on, and they're you know somewhat legitimate, but they certainly lead to a to a um, over-involvement, possibly, in physical matters. The soul can't stop thinking about all this stuff because the soul needs to be in tune with all that because that's part of what, what you need for survival. The person's constantly aching and in pain and sick. There's no menuchas and efesh. There's no real chance to thrive spiritually when a person is constantly struggling. So what happens very often, if we're not careful, the needs for the physical body, which Neshama sort of buys into because of, of the fact that I need to take care of my body. So they are matri, they sort of uh, chase them away or they, they sort of distract him maybe a better word, they distract him from from the things that really matter. Okay, so almost it's like the neshama becomes a little altruistic and really would love to go after spiritual things, but basically for the sake of taking care of its guf, it's giving up all of that spirituality for the sake of the physicality. The things that would bring benefit just to the neshama, the neshama is, is, is uh, ignoring 
and he's he he has to let it go because after all, I'm busy with this with all this stuff. Which, if I would have the time to go after it, this would bring me eternal joy, eternal happiness. This would make sure that when when I'm finished with this world, my soul will connect to the proper level of of connect of connectedness with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. But here we are. We're in this world. And we got all these physical needs, and the neshama can easily fall into that trap as well. And it's and it starts getting overly involved with taking care of the body. Ulan. So this is really what describes most of human beings' lives. Okay, even the ones who are pretty successful, this is a constant tightrope that people walk throughout life. Okay, a little bit of ruchnius, a little bit of gashmius, a little bit of both, a little bit of neither. And I would just, you know, we're just trying to get by constantly, you know. Pushing up that, that um, trying to walk up that downward escalator, and it's it's tough, and it's tough, and you know, Baruch Hashem, we mutshin, we we uh, we do, we grab a mitzvah, we do some good stuff, we sometimes maybe slip, but it's that constant struggle, and if we're struggling, and you know, it's nothing wrong with going through a struggle, but really the goal is to overcome that struggle, and at a point when a person really somehow opens up the eyes to true clarity. And finally, as the next paragraph begins, with, with a very poetic type of expression, Ulam. However, if the light of one's intellect finally breaks through, and you're finally able to see exactly the way you need to see, and the world comes now in a very clear focus of exactly what's important and what's not important, how many things have I been involved with because I just, I'm overly indulging. And I've been, I've now been moved in a very negative direction based on all of the things that I've loved, that I wanted to take care of in this world, the physicality. And therefore I was drawn after them in my thoughts. Because after all, I, the physical world sort of took me over. Okay, and you add to that also that I've, I've been not recognizing. I was misalim. I didn't see the things that my success in this world and the next world depend on. I miss the real prize. I, I somehow got distracted. And I forgot, I, I took my eye off the, the target Okay, and I forgot what the, what the prize of this the, this world, the next world, is all about. Okay, when you when you get clarity, then you're going to stop. In other words, the moment when it all starts, finally, you've struggled, you struggled, you're working, you're learning, you're davening, you're trying to do the best you can, you, and all of a sudden, boom, you have this moment of total seeing the light. Clarity. What? No, I just said clarity. Yes, right? This, this total clarity that comes upon you. And therefore, Azimav Sikalas and you're going to stop, you're going to desist from this. You're going to leave all of the physical stuff. He's going to take care of it. I've, I recognize I've, I've spent way too much time on all, all of this physical stuff. You know, Tzeres Machshaft and Atiyah 
and what will start developing in one's thought process and inclination, how to find ways to get myself out of this trap, this incredible trap that I'm in, that I'm sort of trapped in, in this physical world where I've sort of been sucked into taking care of so many of the physical elements that have made me much more inclined and focus on, phys- on physicality. And this great uh, test that I've, unfortunately, I've slipped up. I've made mistakes. I've fallen into traps. Okay, I'm human. But, but now I finally realize, what have I done? When that moment of clarity kicks in, at that point, I'm going to separate all the elements in this world and all of the pleasures I'm going to look at the, the body and its needs and of the drives and passions of this world. I'm going to, I'm going to look at it cheaply. What, what, was I, what was I getting so enamored about? What was I being so, so focused upon? Ridiculous. It's going to become cheap in his eyes or her eyes. Once a person does this and gets his point of clarity, the person's eyes start getting opened up and clear, cla- um, clarified and purified from the clouds that they are in. From the lack of truly knowing HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His Torah. And that person will begin to start seeing truth from falsehood. And it'll, it'll come reve- be revealed to that person the truth regarding the creator of the world, the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world, and all of the purposes that we've been put into this world for. That will all start becoming clear. So it's really about overcoming this battle and emerging on the other side with a sense of clarity. When that clarity hits, things begin to change. So we're already at the end uh, of this year. We will finish this parak in two weeks, um, I, believe, I should know the date already, but I forgot already. But the second Tuesday in February, Bez Hashem. Um, and um, yeah, we're almost there, Bez Hashem. So it's fascinating stuff. And this is really high level, but it's good to, like I said, good to be exposed to what the ultimate purpose of life is all about. Okay, so have a wonderful night and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much.